Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. It is so good to be with you this morning on this first Sunday of Advent. Advent is one of those things uh, in the life of the church and the life of those who um, find themselves a part of the narrative of God that we, we come upon it Every year it's cyclical, um, and it's a time where we are anticipating Christmas. Now, this is where we get a little confused in, when we mix faith and society because um, we all feel like we're in the Christmas season right now because Thanksgiving's done, right? Uh, Black Friday has happened, which is like the start of Christmas. Isn't it interesting that we um, refer to a day that is called Black Friday as the beginning of Christmas when really Christmas uh, begins with the birth of Jesus, light entering into darkness. I just think that's odd. Um, but Advent is this time of just anticipation and longing, and it is a season of about four weeks where we are, um, we are thinking about how we long for things and how we wait for things. Um, traditionally, this is a longing and waiting for Jesus to show up, but I think you and I, all, we all know whether you're in this room or online, that we have been in a season of waiting for about eight months. It's been a time where we have been waiting for COVID to lose its hold on, on the world. And so we wait, we long, we anticipate vaccines and, and answers and emergency rooms and hospital beds to go empty. We wait. So we have this very tangible thing that we are, are, are longing for, are waiting for. And then we enter into the season of Advent. And we are thinking about the fact that Jesus has come. And Sierra said it masterfully. Jesus has come. Jesus is here. And Jesus is yet to come. We live in that tension between the Jesus who has come and the Jesus who has yet to come. They're the same person. And we're in this middle, middle area. So I want to ask you as a church to think about all those things that you are longing and waiting for. Um, it may have nothing to do with faith and spirituality and religion. It may just have everything to do with practical everyday living. You're waiting for uh, that check to come in the mail. You're waiting for that diagnosis to come. You are waiting for that relationship to be restored. You are waiting for that child to come home. You are waiting for that belly to be full of life. You are waiting. And sometimes waiting gets to be agonizingly difficult. It gets to be one of those things where we just want to kind of like just give up because what's the point in waiting any longer 
Church, can I just ask you in this next four weeks when we gather together for worship and we gather together uh, for just fellowship and being together, um, can I just ask you to be honest about the thing that you're waiting for and know that God is up to something in the midst of it? Uh, when you think about uh, when Jesus was born, the people of God had been waiting for almost 400 years for God to do something. You see, there was this, they call it an intertestamental period, this time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, for us, it's a page flip, but for them, it was uh, centuries of waiting and asking, God, what, what are you doing? God, what, what, are you going to say anything to us? You see, leading up to that, there was a season of, uh, of time where the prophets spoke on behalf of God. And they were very active. They were really busy. But it seemed like God had gone silent. Do you know what that feels like? Do you know what it feels like to live life feeling like God has abandoned you? It's painful. But as we think back on that, 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 that the narrative of God's people, we know from our perspective that it wasn't that God was absent, it was that God was getting things ready. So as we look back at that, can we just consider that maybe, just maybe, God is getting things ready for us today, here, now? And for the people who back then, they lived in despair, and sometimes we find ourselves there, can we consider that maybe, just maybe, God is on the brink of doing something that you and I could never fathom or imagine? We don't have words to ask God for what God is up to because it's beyond us. Advent um, is lived with this anticipation that God is still up to something. And sometimes it has nothing to do with what you expect. So church, I want us to be that people who, as a youth pastor of mine once said, sometimes you've got to fake it till you make it. Some of you need to fake it till you make it because you, you just don't have what it takes right now. And for all of us as a church, can we live in the anticipation that God is about to do far exceedingly more than we could ever hope for or imagine? That is Advent. The people of God felt like things were going on just fine until God seemingly went on vacation. From comfort and security to heartache and devastation, we know what that's like. Chaos, where order is supposed to be, is not uncommon for us. As we enter into the season of Advent, I'm reminded that living in the midst of the chaos is not a new reality for humanity, nor is it a new reality for the people of God. I've spent this week listening to a podcast about uh, a series of events that took place um, in Delphi, Indiana. 
Delphi is where my family's from. And three years ago, almost four years ago now, um, chaos entered the serenity of Delphi. Two young ladies, two girls, teenagers, were out on a walk and didn't come home. And Delphi is a town who, um, in the midst of this unsolved crime, longs for normalcy to return to them. We get what it's like to live there because it becomes real in our own midst. And it's in the midst of those moments of longing and waiting that we hear the words of Isaiah, chapter 64, verse 1. Uh, Isaiah speaks these words, and I think not only does he, but I think everyone since then has had moments in their lives when they cry out these words. He says this, Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down as though God is off in a distance. Sometimes we feel like God is distant when in reality he's right here, but but sometimes we have to cry out. We have to verbalize the longings of our heart. These words that Isaiah spoke um, somewhere around, around 530 BC. It's when the people of God had been in captivity in Babylonian exile and the people had been granted permission to go home. They had been longing for this. Their, answer, their, their prayers were being answered. They were excited. They were joyous. They were making their trek home to Jerusalem. But when they got there, things were not as they had left them. Jerusalem had been left in ruins. Chaos had enveloped the, the place. They were a people who had sung songs on their way home. It's so excited to be going there only to find that things were not as they should be. And that's when the prophet looks up to heavens and the heavens and cries out to God, oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down here in the midst of the rubble of the chaos. Jesus prayed a prayer in the garden. That night he was arrested. He asked the father if there was any other way that uh, what was about to happen could happen. I think Jesus was praying in that moment Oh, God, the Father, that would you burst from the heavens and come down? We all know this cry. We all understand that Jesus identified with Isaiah in that moment, and he identifies with all of us in these moments when we cry out to God this very thing. Let us not forget something about the profound predicament of the people of God. They had been taken off into exile, at least in part, because of their abandonment of God. They had chosen their own way over God's way. And it almost, in a sense, God said, okay, if that's the way you want, then have it. I'm not going to fight you over this one. But the path that they had chosen led them into exile, led them to a season of their life where it was not pleasant, it was not pretty, it was definitely not what they had been praying for. This path that they had chosen was not, let's just be honest, there are some who were there among that people who who were not making those choices. But as a whole, 
They were affected by the choices of many. You and I get that. You and I get that our decisions, my, my personal decisions, have effects on all of you. They affect my family. They affect so many things beyond myself. And we have to understand that sometimes, just sometimes, the decisions we make have drastic ramifications. We don't like those to deal with those ramifications. But can we be honest with ourselves sometimes? We have to own our junk. That doesn't mean that God's not going to deliver us from it. But there may be a season in our life where we fully realize all of the junk in our life. The thing I love about Scripture, about the whole entire narrative of God from Genesis to the end of Revelation, is this. Um, there is a word that shows up time and time again, and it shows up kind of, and again, in verse 8 of Isaiah 64. The, the, the word is actually two words in Isaiah, and yet, and yet, O Lord, you are our Father. Most times, it just has the three-letter word, but. This was happening, but God. Chaos ensued, but God. And what I love about the realization, this is an, this is an Advent anticipation. And yet, but God is not done yet. We may survey the land. We may see Jerusalem on, uh, in the rubble. And yet, God, our Lord, O oh Lord, you are our Father. Are you living in the midst of the and yet, O oh Lord? You are our Father. Are you living with the realization that things may be tough, things may be rough, things may just be really hard right now, and yet, you are our Father. That statement, that prayer, requires that we are addressing the Father. It requires that we realize that uh, there is one who is the source of all the restoration in our life. And we are the people who have to be addressing that one. You can't say this with your back turned on God. So if your back is turned to God, can I suggest you turn around and find your way back to that place where you can look God in the Father Look God in the eyes and say, and yet, O oh Lord, you are our Father. I'd like to be transparent for a moment with you this morning. Pastors always wonder what level of transparency they can uh, have uh, with their people. But one of the things that I love about this church is that we call ourselves real life. And it would be horrible for the pastor or one of the pastors of real life to hide behind something. So let me just be honest with you. In this moment, I am really thankful for Advent this year. Advent has always been that part of the church year where we think conservatively about how the people of God have routinely lived amidst a season of longing. We recognize that things aren't as they are going to be, but we, are, we long for the future reality when all is restored to the kingdom of God. The more the times remind us of how far we have gotten from the things of God, the more our longing increases. 
The more you look sin in the face, and sin has a face, the more you long for God. I find myself in one of those seasons. As one of your pastors, I think I can speak for the whole staff, that we deeply long for Jesus to set things straight. And the reason why we say that is because it is just really hard right now. We had a moment as a staff in staff meeting this week where we just, we were really honest with each other and we said, we're tired of COVID. (laughs) We are tired of pastoring in this season of COVID. It's not that we're ready to give up or run or hide or anything, but we're just honest in the midst of this advent that it is hard being your pastor. Not because you are difficult. Well, some of you maybe are. (laughs) Uh, No, the reason why it is difficult is because everything that all of us have ever known to be normal has been put aside. And as your pastors, we sit around trying to think, how do we do this thing that we've been called to in a new reality? How do we do this? And I think we've done our best uh, to, to lead you, to pastor you, to care for you, to pray with you. Uh, we've, we've tried our best. But I think as a staff, this week we looked up to the heavens and said, oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. Um, I think as a staff, we are looking for normality to come back to ministry. But I don't know if what we are looking for is for things to get back to the way they were. As your pastors, we are eager for a new normal at real life. There's a lot of things we can say to define what that looks like. But can I just, honestly, I think, I think what it looks like is us being able to continue doing the things we've always done. And that is being a place for people in the midst of real life to show up at a place where we can offer real life. I, I think we want this to be a place where people are, are eager to get to. But we understand that there are things that prevent that right now. As a church, we, we want to be that place where we are imperfect in our love for each other and for God, but yet God can take what we offer and it can multiply it for his purposes. We want to be that place that are busting at the seams because people in the midst of their brokenness and their longing recognize that the people at Real Life know something that makes a difference. I want us to listen to the words of Paul to the church in Corinth, his first letter to them. Remember, as I read this, I'm going to tweak it a little bit. So if you're following along uh, online in your Bible, it's going to sound a little different because of this. Paul's writing this letter back to a church that he was instrumental in. And so he is removed from them by time and space, and he writes this letter back to them to address them on several issues. 
I want to read Paul's words to you as a pastor in the midst of the con- his congregation. So it's not about um, you, it's about us. So I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 9 as a pastoral letter, which is what it really is, to the church in Corinth. I want to read it to us here at Real Life. Whether you're in this room or you're online somewhere around the globe, this letter is from one of your pastors back to you. I always thank God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given us now that we belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched our church in every way with all of our eloquent words and all of our knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now, we have every spiritual gift we need as we eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep us strong to the end so that we will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited us into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Did you hear Paul? Did you hear me? In the waiting, we have every spiritual gift we need as we eagerly await the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. While we give a lot of attention to our physical needs these days, let us not forget that our physical realities are laid on the foundation of spiritual truth. Adam was a lifeless form of earth laying on the ground until God breathed his spirit into his nostrils and he became a living being. Your physical life is dependent upon God's breath in you. Let's be honest about that. Without the spirit of God, we are lifeless. In the midst of trying physical times, let us remember that we have every spiritual gift we need during the waiting. Every spiritual gift comes from God. It does not come by us trying harder, being smarter, having more knowledge. It comes from us receiving the gift that the giver gives. In this season of waiting for COVID to loose its hold on us, God's words through Paul remind us that as bad as it may get, we still have every spiritual gift we need to make it through the trying time. In the waiting, he will keep us strong to the end. In the waiting, the strength that sustains us is not our own strength. It, I don't know if you've been there, but there have been more times than not where I have just said, I don't have what it takes. And God, I need you to multiply these feeble attempts that I can do as a pastor, but I need you to infuse them with your power, your strength, your might. The same is true for everyone who's not a pastor. We need to recognize that he will keep us strong to the end. And here's what I wanna say to you. May the promise of God, may the promises of God become our present reality. COVID is not our reality, folks. Brokenness and pain and heartache, that's not our reality. God's promise 
is our reality. Well, which one? All of them. But I don't know what those are, Pastor. Let's start journeying through the promises of God that we find throughout the narrative of God that we have in this Bible that we've got. Let's linger longer in the pages of Scripture and get to know this God so much better than we do now. And let's find the hope that we have. In the waiting, God is faithful to do what God says. Do you know what God has said he will do in our lives and in the world around us? Have you heard, have you read, have you encountered God through the word of God? Are you becoming familiar with God because of the time you are spending in the pages of scripture? In the waiting, you and I, the person next to you, the person online with us today, all of you out there, you are being invited into partnership with Jesus. This hope of new creation comes as we join Jesus on the journey of restoration. Jesus walks the road of longing with us. He enters those moments when we realize that things are not as they should be. But as we look to the heavens and we cry out to God to burst from the heavens and come down, we find God becoming flesh and blood, moving into our very lives we are living. And we realize the God out there is the God right here. People, that is the hope that we have to make it through every single day, every situation we find in life. The God out there is the God right here. The truth of the matter really is that it's not that we need to coerce God to show up. There are other religions that spend a lot of time and energy on coercing God to show up. Their God, God's whoever. But our God is different. Really, the problem isn't getting God to show up. It's getting us to wake up and realize that God is here. And he's already at work. He's already at work in your marriage, in your relationship. He's already at work in your workplace. And in that crazy family you gathered around a dinner table with this week, God is already up to something there. God is up to things. We need to wake up to that reality. And therein lies our hope in the waiting the God who is right here. In this season of the church year, we refer to that God as Emmanuel, God with us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I am thankful that I don't have to jump through all sorts of hoops to get you to show up in my life. I'm thankful that you're already here in my life. God, I pray that you would help me wake up. Help me realize all that is true based on your word, based on your reality. But God, I pray for those who struggle with that idea because they aren't just, they're just not quite sure of what God looks like and how God could be up to something. Lord, I pray that you'd help us see things through your eyes. Help us hear 
things through your ears. Help us experience this world through your heart. And Lord Jesus, give us hope today. As one of the pastors here, God, I just pray for myself, but also for everyone within earshot of this message, that you would give us hope that picks our head up, pulls our shoulders back, gives us a bounce in our step that we can journey with you through the midst of all this. So Lord, wake us up. Wake us up, Lord, and help us to partner with you. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. Church, stand with me, please. You have to figure out what you're going to do with what God just said to us. I can't make you do that. I can't force you to do that. I can't coerce you to do that. I, I, I can't. No one can. You can. So as we go from this place, can we go intent on applying God's word to our life? And out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, I want to give you these words. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace, hope, joy, and love. Until we meet again, live in those realities. Be blessed by them and be a blessing because of them. See you soon.